friend, you're listening to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening! Hello, friend. Welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. I was thinking, what are some of the most useful tools that I've implemented in my own life that sometimes I forget to talk to you about because I'm so unconsciously competent now at this stage in my life at implementing these different skills that I forget that I, at one point in my life, didn't have them. And that is, to be honest, kind of the struggle of being a life coach or hosting this podcast is that sometimes you forget what are the tools that now I use on a daily basis that I didn't have before, that were the most profound, most useful tools to learn that completely changed my life. And I realized today, as I was kind of thinking through what would be the most valuable thing to bring you? I was like, oh my gosh, I have never once ever shared on this podcast something called Meta Programs Values. <laughs> I know, that's just like, what the hell is that? Well, Meta Programs Values is something that comes from neuro linguistic programming. And you don't really learn about metaprograms until you become a master PRAC certified NLP coach. So you may have gotten this content from another NLP coach, or you may not have. So I'm really excited today to break down this super, what could sound like a super complex idea and to bring it down into your reality so you can start using this tool. Because I'm telling you, this tool is so good and it can absolutely change everything about how you understand yourself, how you understand other people, how you understand communication breakdowns. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk to you about it. Well, let's start with why this concept is really, really cool. Wouldn't it be wonderful to understand why you are miscommunicating with someone to be able to pinpoint exactly where the communication is starting to break down and what the miscommunication is stemming from. Well, we've talked before about how values and what people value can lead to miscommunication breakdown. We've talked about this before. Well, what I'm going to do now is explain to you the specific meta programs values that cause miscommunication in the first place. What specifically is being miscommunicated? This is also a really cool tool because it's kind of like a personality assessment. As I'm taking you through the different meta programs, you're gonna be able to understand yourself and be like, hmm, am I a X person or am I a Y person? So 
it's really kind of fun because you get to know yourself and then you can go ask people questions and get to know their personalities better. It's a personality assessment of how you communicate what's important to you. And I have some really funny stories about when my husband and I took this assessment together. We had so many aha moments of like, oh my gosh, yes. Remember when we got in that huge fight? This is exactly why. Because you're this person and I'm a that person. And that explains so much about the dynamic of our relationship. And I'm really excited to tell you about some of those instances as well. I pretty much guarantee you're going to be laughing at me and my husband. It's great. It's good stuff. So why would you want to learn metaprograms? Number one, understand yourself. Number two, understand other people. Number three, understand miscommunication at a whole new level. (laughs) All right, and I promise it's going to be exciting because it's a personality assessment. So here we go. What is metaprograms values? Well, you have to remember back to the episodes prior where I talked about communication and filters that filter out communication in a way that deletes what is said, distorts what is said, and generalizes what is said. So if there are 2 million bits of information coming at you in a given second, which by the way, there are, I did not just make that number up, there's about 2 million bits of information anywhere from 2 million to 11 million this is debatable depending on how much is going on in your life and how many tabs you have open in your brain and how many electronic devices are in front of you anywhere from 2 million to 11 million bits of information coming at you at a given moment at a given second a bit of information just so you know what i'm talking about and we're really really clear here I'm talking about all of your five senses being activated at the same time. So I'm talking about what you see visually, what you hear auditorily, what you can smell, what you can taste, what you can feel at a given second is all information that you are receiving. And we're not just talking about content, we're also talking about context. So I'll give you an example of this. If my husband says to me, hey, are you going to do the dishes? Then I'm going to be looking at his body language. I'm going to be listening to his tone to interpret this information, right? So it's content is what was said. Context is, was he real annoyed? Were his arms crossed? Did he have a tone? Did he raise his voice? Because all of that information I'm going to receive and make a snap judgment about where is he coming from? Is he annoyed? How do I respond? And all of this, just so you know, is happening every second in your life. Every second in your life, you are receiving bits of information through your five senses and then assessing what that information means and assessing what is an appropriate response. And this all happens every second. Well, I haven't even told you the most exciting part. There's 2 million to 11 million, anywhere between 2 to 11 million bits of information coming at you. Your brain can process up to 134 bits of information per second. Not 134,000. Literally, 134 bits of information are able to be processed at once. 
So that means the rest of the information in the picture gets deleted, distorted, or generalized based on my past experiences and something called my meta programs. First of all, this information alone is what causes most miscommunications because my husband will say something to me like, are you going to do the dishes today? And I am deleting some of that information, distorting some of that information, and generalizing some of that information based on past experience. So I might think he's saying that to me because he's irritated, because he wants me to do the dishes, because I haven't done them. And so now he's shaming and blaming me about the dishes. Well, whether or not all of that information is in this content and context, I don't actually know. That's just what's going on in my brain. So then if I get triggered and say to him, why are you asking me that? Of course I'm going to do the dishes. And now he is upset like, whoa, where's this tone coming from? Oh, she's pissed at me and da da da. And then he's getting triggered. Now we're in a fight when really when we break it down, maybe he was just asking me out of curiosity. I have no idea. The point is Because we delete, distort, and generalize information, we fill in the picture with content and context that may or may not actually be there. Well, I have a whole episode on this called How You See the World. It was episode eight. So if you're like, okay, I want to go and listen to this whole episode about deleting, distorting, and generalizing information, you can absolutely go back to episode eight. What I'm going to talk to you specifically about today that I didn't get to in episode eight is how different people distort and generalize information given their specific meta programs. This is so cool, you guys. You can learn about yourself and you can learn how you're distorting the information based on your personality. Now, I don't have time to go through all of the meta programs values because... All in all, there are 20 of them total, and some of them are going to be extremely difficult to explain via podcast. However, I do have something called a Meta Programs Values Inventory Assessment that you can sign up for. I will leave the link below if you're like, all right, I want to actually do the full assessment with Rachel. I will leave the link below for you to sign up for that. We can do that together. But today, I'm just going to start with the ones that I think are the most important for you to know where you could be creating conflict in your life given your meta program or given someone else's meta program, like your significant other, <laughs> for example, or your boss or your coworker. Okay, so the first four meta programs you actually probably have heard before because they come from the Myers Briggs. So most people have heard of the first four. If they've done any kind of Myers-Briggs assessment, I will go through them with you though to refresh your memory on this in case you're like, huh, what? I kind of vaguely remember that, but not really. No problem. We're going to go through them together. You just, I'm just letting you know you might be like, oh yes. Okay. I have heard this before. Well, the first four are familiar. The rest, probably not. So the first question on the Meta Programs Values Inventory is, When it is time to recharge your batteries, do you prefer to be alone or do you prefer to be with people? Now, if you prefer to recharge your batteries alone, you are a classic introvert. 
If you prefer to recharge your batteries around other people, you are considered an extrovert. Now, I know some people's definition of introvert and extrovert might be different or skewed or, oh, an extrovert means you love people and you love talking and an introvert means you are shy. No, cancel all of that. In this context, all it really means is how do you recharge your batteries? Like at the end of a long work day, or maybe it's been a really bad day for you, is your go-to to be by yourself, maybe take a bubble bath, drink a glass of wine, watch some TV, or no, I've just had a real bad day. I need to go out with friends. I need to talk. I need to be around people. I need to be around positive energy. Well, then you're an extrovert. How does this relate to how we distort, delete, and generalize information? Great question, because what we will often do as humans is assume things about the other type of person because we only know what we prefer. I'll give you an example, okay? I am a classic introvert, meaning when I'm exhausted, when I'm tired, I just want to be alone and maybe be with one person, one other person, maybe two. If we're like really close friends, I could handle it. Anything else is going to ask me to show up with more energy that I just don't have. Well, my husband happens to be a classic extrovert. For him, being alone all the time is draining. And he wants to be around people. He wants to talk to people. He wants to get out there and make friends. I mean, everywhere we go, he's making friends. I'm not even exaggerating. We've got friends all over the world from meeting them one time on a vacation. It's just the way he is. Well, this was problematic for us when we were first married because we didn't understand that I was an introvert and he was an extrovert. So I would work all day as a teacher, right? Being around people, being around kids, being around other adults, talking all day, making decisions all day long, and I would come home absolutely spent. And he was an extrovert going to school online where he didn't have access to people, didn't have access to a community, didn't have access to anyone really. He was just at home on the computer by himself all day. So when I would get home, he would be like, oh my gosh, let's go out. Let's hang out with people. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's go see these people. Let's go see those people. And I would come home from work and we would have plans. <laughs> like every night of the week, we would have plans because he talked to someone during the day and made plans for us. Well, I didn't always want to go. So this is where without knowing that he's just showing up as his true authentic self and I'm just showing up as my true authentic self, this is where conflict gets created. Because I'm maybe not vocalizing this to him, but on the inside, I'm irritated that every night of the week, we have plans. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I don't want to go see those people. And he, without saying anything to me, is getting irritated by me having an attitude about going out and being with people. Like, he just doesn't get it. He's like, you, you haven't seen me all day. We haven't seen these people in a long time. So he's interpreting my behavior as being antisocial and rude. I'm interpreting his behavior as being totally inconsiderate, right? Because we have two completely different meta programs running the show. I'm running the show as an introvert. He's running his own show as an extrovert. 
we're not communicating about this value of ours and it's creating conflict in our lives. Finally, when we took this assessment and we talked about this, it was like, OMG, I don't have to judge you for being an extrovert. You don't have to judge me for being an introvert. It's okay if you wanna go out and be with friends. It's okay if I wanna stay home and be by myself. We just have to figure out a balance where we both get what we want. Well, that's just one example, you guys. I have so many more examples to give you, but I wanted to do a deep dive on one that was really simple so you could see when you are showing up in the world with an unconscious meta program running the show and somebody else is bumping into your life with a completely different meta program running the show, that is where miscommunication happens because you're misinterpreting the behavior. Okay, the next one is, if you were going to study a certain subject, would you be more interested solely in the facts and their application for the now, or would you be more interested in the ideas and relationships between the facts and their application for the future? I know that's a long question. So it's mostly, are you interested in facts and their application for now, or facts and ideas? in relationship to their application to the future. Now on the Myers-Briggs, this is the sensor or intuitor. So the sensor is more interested in facts and application of now. The intuitor is more interested in ideas and relationships to the facts for their application for the future. Could you see potential conflict between a sensor and intuitor? It comes up all the time. So one of the main things that sensors and intuitors disagree upon is whether we should be more interested in what's going on right now and how to solve the problems of the now versus what's going to come up in the future and how we can use the facts for future application. I am an intuitor. I am always thinking ahead, planning ahead. And when I say planning ahead, I'm really future driven. So I want to know what my life is going to look like a year from now, two years from now. And that picture really dictates my behavior for the now. Now my husband is not this way. He is a sensor. So I'll give you an example of when we had a very real conflict that comes up between sensors and intuitors, especially when they are dating or in a relationship of some kind. When I wanted to leave my job and go full-time into entrepreneurship, I was thinking future-based thinking, future-based problem solving, right? This will make sense two to three years from now. This decision will make sense in two to three years when I'm financially set and I'm working from home and I'm doing my own thing and it's all going to work out in the future. Well, my husband is looking at our bank account today, back then, today, and saying that decision doesn't make sense right now for what's going on right now. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I know that. What you're not taking into account is the future income that's going to be there because of all of the clients that I'm going to get. Well, he's looking at the picture of the now saying, 
well, if your paycheck, the one that you get today at your job disappears, that's going to impact us in the now. And that money is not going to be there. And I'm looking at the spreadsheet of our income with that not on it. And I'm saying it will be on it in the future when I have clients. Do you see how there's a potential conflict here? So sensors, again, are in the now, the facts and application of now. Intuitors are very future idea driven. This is different than those who plan things and those who don't. We're going to get into that one in just a second. But I'm talking more about ideas and future versus facts and now. Okay, so this next one is, can you remember a work situation that gave you trouble? A specific one-time event. When you make a decision, do you rely more on impersonal reason and logic or more on personal values? So when you're remembering that work situation and you think about how did you solve it, okay, were you driven mostly by reasons and logic or your personal values and feelings, okay? (laughs) Now, this to me seems obvious. I'm going to give you the answer. So this is either you're a classic thinker or a classic feeler. So thinkers make decisions based on reason and logic Whereas feelers make decisions based on personal values. Now the tendency when I ask people this question is usually to say, well, I'm both. But here's the caveat. It's what do you go to first to make the decision? And also there's a couple of misunderstandings sometimes about the words thinking and about the words feeling that I just want to clarify here. So it's not that feelers are not intelligent and it's not that thinkers don't have feelings. What this actually means when it says thinkers, they make decisions based on trying to find the truth, the scientific facts, the logical explanations, etc. Right? Feelers make decisions based on people, communications, They make decisions that they believe are more tactful than telling the cold blunt truth. And sometimes they can hold back the cold hard truth in order to be more compassionate, make decisions based on what other people are bringing to the table. So really feelers make decisions based on total harmony Whereas thinkers make decisions based on logical explanations. Okay, does that help clear things up? And if you've ever taken the Myers-Briggs test before and you've gotten like an ENFP or an INFJ or something like that, the thinker feeler is that you're either a T or an F. Now the last one on the Myers-Briggs assessment that does come from your meta programs is this last one. And the question to determine this is, what is your definition of meeting somebody on time? So for example, if you were going to meet your friend for coffee and you both said, let's be there at 9 a.m., would you show up at 8.45 or would you show up closer to 9.05? I like this example of meeting a friend for coffee because 
that is probably more your true self than if it's ingrained in you, right? That if you're late at work, there's going to be consequences, et cetera, et cetera. So this is like you're outside of that context. You're meeting a friend for brunch or for coffee. Do you run 15 minutes early? And to you, 15 minutes early is quote unquote on time or nine-ish is fine. This is where we get the J and the P in the Myers-Briggs. So this JP breakdown is the most misunderstood in the Myers-Briggs assessment. The words used to describe these different personalities is judger or perceiver. Judger meaning that they judge time differently than a perceiver. And judgers are the people that are typically 15 minutes early. Another way to think of this is judgers really like plans that are clear and defined and have a clear start date and a clear end date. Judgers like their calendar to be booked out and clear. Perceivers typically like more they would say that a perceiver would say, oh, I'm more go with the flow. I'm more spontaneous. I do things when I have a burst of energy. That's when I feel like doing it. And I like to stay open as long as possible. Okay, here's potential conflict between a judger and perceiver. I have examples from my own life with friends and also in my marriage because you typically are surrounded by people who are different than you. I am a judger. I actually think I made that pretty clear when I was like, I think a perceiver would say that this is their motivation. I kind of gave myself away. I'm a judger. I like things planned. I like to know each day what is on my calendar and I like to know six months from now what is on my calendar. That to me gives me very clear directions each day what I need to be doing and I operate my life like that. Perceivers may not understand this. Okay, judges can be perceived by a perceiver as rigid, <laughs> unadaptable, unwilling to change. This is how judges can be perceived by a perceiver. Judges can perceive perceivers to be kind of all over the place. They may feel irritated if a perceiver cancels plans at the last minute or doesn't get back to them about a specific day and time, or is always wanting to do things spontaneously, and a judge is like, look, I can't be spontaneous today. My day is already decided. If you want to make plans, you have to contact me a week ahead of time, two weeks ahead of time. Stop asking me at the last minute. So these are the potential conflicts between a judge or perceiver. Now, I will give you two examples from my own marriage. I am 100% a judger. My husband is 100% a perceiver. And we did not know this. When we first got married, we did not know this terminology. We did not know what this meant. We were just judging each other for how we were running our life. I am a planner. So I will go to my husband a year in advance sometimes. And I will say, what vacation would you like to take next year? And when would be a good time for us to take that vacation next year? 
And kind of my reason and motivation, if you're a perceiver and you're listening to this and you're like, why? I don't understand that. Why would you? Why? Why do you need to know a year ahead of time? Well, for me, the way I run my business and the way that I run employment really anywhere is by knowing when am I going to be working and when am I going to be not working. And I basically plan my whole life around whether or not it's a work day or kind of a fun play day. So I would go to my husband a year early to plan this vacation so I could plan the whole rest of my business around said vacation days, right? Because I'm a planner. So if I don't plan the vacation, the vacation doesn't happen. Now, this can feel irritating to my husband who likes to stay open and do kind of what he would want to do a year from now. He's like, I don't know what I want to do a year from now. What if I don't want to go on that vacation a year from now? I would like to wait until it gets closer and then see what are we in the mood for? What do we feel like doing? Perceivers, they want to approach play as whatever comes up for them on the day or in that particular season of their life. Whereas judges really want things decided early so they can plan around it. Okay, so I've given you the back motivations, but before my husband and I knew each other really well and didn't know this terminology and didn't know our personalities, I had planned a year ahead of time a cruise for us to go on. And I said, okay, These are the details of the cruise next year. This is where we're going. And we live in California and our cruise was going to be in Galveston, Texas. So I had booked the cruise. I had given him the dates. I said, you know, this is kind of the plan. Could you please get us the flight tickets? I'm giving you guys like way a lot of information. But basically, because I had put said cruise on a specific bank account and card, I was wanting him to do the flights on a different bank account and card. And so he was like, sure, no problem. Yes, I got this. I'll get the flights. Now, in telling this story, not all perceivers show up this way. (laughs) There's also a little bit of trauma response going on here from my husband. So when I tell this story, there's more involved than just the fact that he's a perceiver. Okay, there's way more to that. So I'm not saying every perceiver shows up this way. This is just one example. Well, he didn't book the flights. Every month I would say, did you book the flights? And every month he would say, I haven't done it yet. I'm going to do it. If you've ever experienced being one person or the other in a relationship, this is cause for potential conflict because the judger becomes restless and irritated that the perceiver is not quote unquote doing what they said they were going to do. Whereas the perceiver is getting irritated with the judger saying, I told you I was going to do this. Why do you keep checking in on me? I'll do it when I do it, when I get around to it, right? <laughs> this is this is real life, guys. Well, my husband and I, we now joke about this. It has become one of our favorite stories to tell people, <laughs> to scare our friends when we invite them over for game night when we tell them this story. But essentially what happened was my husband never ended up buying the plane tickets. So again, not all perceivers will be to this extreme. There's some other reasons why this was going on in play here. But as the judger, I had planned and booked the cruise and paid for the whole thing a year ago when finally it gets 
close. I would say we're probably a month out now from the cruise and I'm like, okay, Alex, can you send me the flight information? I want to put it in my phone. (laughs) Typical judger. I want to be able to know what the plan is so I can plan around it. So what are our, what's our flight information? When are we leaving? Yada, yada. He says, oh, I didn't actually book those plane tickets yet. And I'm starting to feel very frustrated at this point. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, we're supposed to be leaving in like four weeks. What do you mean? Right? So we get on together. Finally, I'm like, we're just going to do this together. We get on together to look at the flights because we had waited so long. And this trip we had booked around my spring vacation as a teacher, the flights to Galveston, Texas, were going to be more expensive per person than the total cost of the cruise. And I am not exaggerating. That was really the situation that we were in. And I was pretty PO'd. Let me tell you, I was as the judger freaking out, pissed, like super upset. This is not okay. My husband as the perceiver is like, no problem whatever we're gonna go with the flow we're gonna just drive we're gonna drive to Galveston Texas (laughs) from California so if you don't know anything about that travel time let me tell you without stopping we're looking at approximately 30 hours of driving if we don't stop if we do have to stop over that two and a half day period (laughs) every time we have to stop for food or for sleep or for using the restroom we're adding on more time to our drive time for a five-day cruise ladies and gentlemen we did do this drive because (laughs) we felt we had no other option and we nearly murdered each other the whole entire car ride there I was mad at him. He was mad at me. He thought I was being rigid and stiff and unadaptable. And I was mad at him for not booking the flight as far out in advance as I felt was appropriate. So this is an extreme, extreme example. (laughs) I, I get that. You may not experience extreme examples in your life with your judges or your perceiver friends. However, Frustration can arrive when we're approaching life with two different meta programs values. One being, I like to plan things. I like to have structure. I like to to have closure. I like to know when things are. And the other person being, I like to feel it out. I like to be spontaneous. I like to keep my options open. Well, if you are in this type of a dynamic relationship, I will tell you, I'm not making this up just because I'm a judger. This is really, you can look this information up. The perceiver is supposed to attempt to make plans with the judger. Because, here's why. When the perceiver is willing to make plans with the judger, those plans will happen. The judger will see to it that the plans come to fruition. If the perceiver always waits for the judger to be spontaneous with them that may not happen that's just the reality so in this scenario sorry perceivers you've got to be willing to make plans with your judger friends or you may not ever see them and I know that's unfortunate for you because you want to be spontaneous 
You can plan a day to be spontaneous with your judge or friends. That would be my suggestion for a solution. Okay, we've only talked about the first four and you've probably heard of those, right? Because of the Myers-Briggs assessment. However, there are so many other meta programs. I want to at least give you a few more so you understand how information is deleted, distorted, and generalized through these different meta programs values filters that filter the information out. Okay, here's a great one. This one can lead to some potential conflict. This is number seven on the assessment. Frame of reference. How do you know when you've done a good job? Do you just know inside, I did a good job? Or does someone need to tell you, you've done a good job? How would you know that you've done a good job? Okay, so I want you to first self-analyze. How would you know that you've done a good job? What's your answer to this question? If you said, I just know. I just feel I've done a good job. I think I've done a good job. It's just, I just know it on the inside. You are what's called an internal check. An internal frame of reference check. Hey, it's like a self-talk. Did I do a good job? Yes, I did. Check. If you answered the question, I would like for someone to tell me I've done a good job, then I know for sure I've done a good job. You are an external check. Why does this matter? Why is this important? First of all, we have to release the idea that one person is better than another or one meta program is more appealing to another. Because what happens is when we get into conflict with people who have different meta programs, we judge the way that they're showing up and vice versa when they're just showing up with a different reference frame. Okay, I will give you an example of how this might contribute to conflict in relationship. If you have a situation where an internal check is with an external check, there might be some miscommunication. So if the external check person is always asking the internal check person, hey, did I do a good job? Hey, did I, my husband isn't, <laughs> my husband is an external check. So I'll give you some actual things that he says to me to make sure like he's doing a good job as a husband. When he buys groceries, he will literally come in the door and say, look at all this stuff that I bought. Isn't this great? Do you like what I bought? Okay, this is such a weird example, but for me as an internal check person, this used to drive me crazy. It absolutely used to drive me crazy because I did not understand why do I need to stop what I'm doing, walk my butt into the kitchen to validate your purchases. Now, this often happens with internal check people. They don't understand the external check people and they can judge that behavior as being quote-unquote clingy, quote-unquote needy, quote-unquote needs validation. But that's actually not true. None of that is true. An external check person just honestly doesn't know that they've done a good job until they hear it. Whereas an internal check person is just like, these are the groceries that I felt that we needed, so I did a good job, right? So instead of judging the other person, for being quote needy or clingy it's just understanding 
oh, you have an external check and you're not clear if you did a good job until you hear it. Now the opposite may be true. I don't experience this as an internal check person. However, it could arise in, in a potential relationship. If the external check is constantly giving external checks to the internal, like you did a good job. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. The internal check person might be like, why do they feel the need to say that all the time? I don't quite understand. It's just because the external check is giving you what they would want. That's why. Okay, I think we have time for a couple more. I'm skipping ahead. This one is number 14. It's one of my favorites for communication. This is your chunk size meta programs values filter. Chunk size. The question is this. If we were going to do a project together, would you want to know all the details first? Or would you want to know the big picture and theme first? I'll ask it again in case you're thinking. If we were going to do a project together, would you want to know all the details first? Or would you want to know the big picture first? Okay, you got your answer? Okay, there's a follow-up question. You need to know your answer though before you move on to the follow-up question. So if you need to pause and think, pause. Here's the follow-up question. If you said your answer was, I need all of the details first, the follow-up question is, okay, then would you need the big picture at all or not really? Or if you said, I would need to know the theme and the big picture first, would you really need to know the details or not really? You guys, this one is mind-blowing. If you can practice, if you can implement and practice this one meta programs values, your communication will be on point no matter who you're talking to, no matter what you're talking about from now on for the rest of your life, if you can manage just learning this one meta programs and how to interact with people who are different than you. Okay, let me now explain your answers to you. So if you said, I would want to know all of the details first, you are a specific thinker. So that was your first answer was specific. If you said, I want to know the theme and the big picture first, you are what's called a global thinker. Now, so you're either specific or global. Now there's the follow-up question. Would you need to know the opposite. So if you said, I'm a specific person, and I said, would you need to know the big picture? And you said, yes, you would be a specific to global thinker. If you said, no, I don't need the big picture, you're only a specific thinker. That's it, specific only. Okay, the opposite is also true. If you said, I need the big picture first, you're global, and then I said, would you need the details? If you said yes, you're a global specific thinker. If you said no, you're global. That's it. Global thinker. Okay, now you know. Why do you care? <laughs> Let me tell you why you should care. This is so exciting. Global thinkers, they will get overwhelmed with details. If you go to a global thinker and you say to that global thinker, let me give you all of the details. Your global thinker is 
either one of two things, going to tune you out because they don't need the details and they don't care about the details, or you're going to send your global thinker into overwhelm because they're not going to grasp the big picture anymore and they feel lost in the details. Global thinkers cannot hear the details until they have figured out the big picture. Okay, let me give you an example of this. My mom is a specific, specific. My dad is global, global. (laughs) It's so fun to watch them interact. So my mother will come home and my father will say to my mother, how was your day? Thinking he's going to get a one word answer because he's global. So he's asking her for a one word answer. My day was great. That would be a global answer. My day was amazing. I feel good, right? This is the expectation from a global perspective of like, give me just the one word, okay? The specific wants to give you all of the details first, all of the reasons why first, and then they will tell you what that equals. So this is a real exchange. My mom will come in, my dad will say, how was your day? And my mom will start like this. Well, you know, first my alarm went off and it was the song and I really just, mm, I do not like that song. So when it first started out, my day was just not going great because that song came on, it irritated me, it put me in a bad mood. Then I couldn't get the coffee maker to work. So there was all of that to deal with. Then the dog had to go outside. He was being whiny. But you know what? Then my day took a shift and a change because once I got into the car, Okay, on and on and on. I could really, honestly, this is a real, (laughs) this is for real. So she won't give the answer, I'm doing well or I'm doing great until she first explains all of the details as to how she got to this conclusion. Okay, here's where there is constant miscommunication breakdown between globals and specifics. Globals are asking because they think they're going to get a one word answer. Specifics are asking because they think they're going to get a whole long story. So when my mom then finally finishes her story and says, so all in all, it was a good day. How was your day? My dad, who's probably stopped listening because he's like, uh, well, okay, what was the last thing she said? Oh, she said she had a good day. Okay, that's really all I needed. Then he'll say, my day was great. Now my mom, who's a specific and expecting specifics, might feel like my dad doesn't want to talk to her or something, right? Now I'm mind reading. I'm not saying that either one of them have said this is how we feel during our interactions. I'm mind reading that this, in this one example, here's the possible mind reads going on. My mom could potentially think my husband doesn't feel like talking to me. That's the read I'm getting here from his one word answer. My dad could potentially think, oh my gosh, you talk too much. I just wanted that one word answer. This is where we get conflicts between global and specific thinkers. So here's what you do. You take this one question and you ask your significant other or your coworker or your boss, whoever, right? It's like you want to figure out how to communicate best with them. You ask them this question. If we were going to do a project together, would you want to know all the details first? Or would you want to know the big picture first? If they say, I want all the details first, this type of person is going to be very detail-oriented. So they're going to want details from you. They're going to want specifics from you. 
even in your daily conversations about how was your day. They really want all the details. If this person says, oh, I want the big picture first. I want the theme first. They can't listen to the details until they get that blank figured out. So they really can't listen to your whole story until you've said, I'm good. Let me tell you all the reasons why. They could, because they are listening for that one word, that's all they're listening for. They can't actually retain the details until you satisfy the big picture for them. This is why we call it the metaprograms values filters. Okay, this is one example of why. Your global thinkers are filtering out the details. Filter, 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 delete, delete, delete. Listening for the big picture. Your specific people are distorting and deleting and generalizing the theme in order to find the details. I hope this is fascinating for you. It's fascinating for me because once I learned, oh my gosh, I am a global thinker. This is why... I have a tough time with details because I need to know the big picture first. I need to have a theme first so then I can hook the details on. Once I understood that about myself, not only was I able to show up differently in my own life for myself, I was able to get my needs met in conversations with people and say, okay, hold on, before we go into the details of this project or the details of this Can you tell me the why, the big picture, the purpose? And then I'm totally on board to hear all the details. There are so many more metaprograms values that I wish that I had time to go into with you that will absolutely change your life. I just don't have the time. We don't have the time to go through all of them. So here's what I'm going to recommend that you do. If you found this interesting and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, give me all 20 questions. I want to know. I want to do the assessment. I want to learn about myself. Or I want to do the assessment with someone, like with my significant other, then just click on the link in the show notes and that will book with you a consultation with me to go over this with you so you can learn yourself, you can learn the ins and outs of who you are, how you delete, distort, generalize information, and what is the impact of all of these meta programs showing up for you in your life. Pretty cool, right? I think so. Maybe I'm just a nerd. I don't know. You guys can tell me I'm total nerd. Leave me a review and tell me that because I'm here for it. Or if this was of any value or of any interest to you, you're like, I learned something today and this was cool. Leave me that feedback too because I'm always just very curious. Like, who am I speaking to? (laughs) Did you fast forward me or did you get a lot from it? I really hope you got a lot from today's podcast. I'm going to leave that link in the show notes. Listen, one more announcement. I have coming up for you a class that I have only done once before, and it was my most successful class ever. And everyone who's ever taken this class is like, when are you going to do it again? We love it. Well, I haven't wanted to take it on as the teacher because as I've shared in previous podcasts, I just haven't had the energy to do something like that. And I really wanted to make sure I have energy to show up for you. If I'm going to ask you to show up for yourself for a five-day class, I want to make sure I'm able to show up for you too. So I really was putting it off, putting it off. And then I realized it is the time. This is the best time. I feel good. I know I'm going to bring my A game for you. 
I know that May is like a perfect time for people who want to reassess their year. They want to start thinking about who they want to be the rest of the year moving forward. So this is the time, guys. The name of the class is called the Total Mindset Reset. It's five days. And what we're going to do together is we're going to dive really deep into learning what do we want to create in our life? What's the purpose? What's the mission? What do we want to do? Then what are the goals that we want to create that will help us to get there? And then probably most importantly, what mindsets are supporting our vision and goals? And what mindset blocks are keeping us from our vision and goals that we may or may not even be aware of? And what do we do with it when we come up against those mindset blocks? This is my favorite class. Everyone always gives me amazing feedback that this is their favorite class of mine. We are going to start on May 16th. I will leave the link to my website here. Just go to my website and you'll see it there. You'll see a picture of it, the Total Mindset Reset class. You can click and add to cart. It's $37. You get five days with me live or recorded. I know I have some people that are like, I can't come live for this, that, or the other reason. No problem. You get access to the class recordings as well. Plus, you get a coaching call with me one-on-one, all for $37. It's such a no-brainer financially. I'm so excited to offer this to you because I have not put on a class in so long. And we will talk more about your Meta Program's values in that class. So you have two different links today, two different options. You can schedule a one-on-one session with me to do the Meta Program's values in a one-hour session, or... You can come and sign up for the five-day Total Mindset Reset class. Either way, I'm so excited to connect with you. I hope you found tons of value in today's episode. Remember, life is a journey. You're in the driver's seat. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.